SoCal Summer Swing Out podcast. I'm very excited for our wonderful guest here today. We have the lovely Sarah. Hello, Sarah Stembridge. Hello. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. I'm um, uh, just hanging out at home this weekend. So <laughs> this is a nice little break from all the other stuff I'm doing. Oh, yeah, because you've been you've been going you've been traveling a lot, haven't you? Or you've been doing a lot rather. I move I move a lot. I move around a lot. Um, mm. I I have been traveling a lot more lately than than I usually do. But I also just am, I feel like I'm always on the move. Um, and it's nice to stay home sometimes. So yeah, yeah. Believe it or not, me being an expert, I love my solo time. So I get it. Um, speaking of which, and you, know, you moving around and stuff. For those people who don't know, can you give us a quick intro into who Sarah Stembridge is? Yeah. Um. And let me know. I'll just kind of. Uh, I guess I'll just start. I mean, it's such a complex question, but um, <laughs> I. <laughs> I uh, I grew up in LA in the San Fernando Valley, um, born and raised in the San oh. Fernando Valley, and um, I did a lot of competitive dancing as a child. Actually, um, mostly tap dance, but I also did like jazz and ballet and, and stuff like that. Um, and I grew up in a really musical family. My parents mm. both have pretty eclectic taste in music. Mm -hmm. um, but also my extended family is all, they're all like musical theater people. And um, my grandmother in the forties, like had her own radio show singing on the radio. My, uh, her sisters, my great aunts, they were both in musical theater and in opera and stuff like that. So I was always kind of surrounded by music and by musical people and a lot of different styles of music. Um, and so I, you know, grew up in that environment um, and grew up listening to a lot of jazz music um, mm. because of my parents, especially. Um, and when I was a kid, that uh, the Disney cartoon, All the Cats Join In, was oh. just like my absolute favorite thing. <laughs> um, I would get so excited when it would come on the TV and I didn't know what it was and I never really asked anybody, you know, but I was mm -hmm. just like, I want to do that. I love that. Mm. Um, so, uh, and then I, I didn't except, uh. sorry, my cats get really, no, no, no. Get it's really okay. jealous. <laughs> I try, I try putting videos on the TV for them to watch. Oh, um, but okay. they get, they get really jealous. So yeah. I'm sorry. I'll try not to get distracted. No, 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 no. Um, so, um, I came to dancing. I mean, I was in middle school in the mm -hmm. late nineties when everything was, you know, the whole kind of revival movement was happening. And so I learned the very, very, very basics of swing dancing then. And, um, but I never did it socially, never, ever until uh, I was I was 20 years old mm. and I I got to this point where I was just like you know what I want to do this thing mm. and I've never done it so I'm gonna figure out how to do it um like where I can go mm -hmm. and I had a friend who was also kind of a vintage enthusiast mm -hmm. 
uh, I mean, I wouldn't have called myself a vintage enthusiast at the time. I still wouldn't call myself that, but I had a friend who was very into, especially World War II history, um, mm -hmm. especially military history and stuff. Mm. And so I called him up and was like, hey, I think it was New Year's Eve in, it must've been New Year's Eve, 2005. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure, but I think it was New Year's Eve, 2005. And uh, we went to Pasadena Ballroom. Oh. I called him up and was just like, there's this dance happening and I want to go and I don't want to go alone. Would you go with me? And so he and I went and we missed the dance class because we mm. were late. <laughs> <laughs> but we uh, like made friends with with people who were there and mm -hmm. and I started um getting together actually with one one guy in particular who'd been dancing a long time he and I would get together and practice uh like in the park we would practice a lot of I don't want to say aerials but like you know little uh, <laughs> low low stakes aerials uh as you do when you start out right <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he and I, we would get together and practice and we would go to Lindy Groove every week. And I started taking dance classes at Moorpark College, mm. um, like swing dance classes and ballroom classes, Moorpark College and Pierce College in the Valley. And um, yeah, that was, that's how I got into dancing. I definitely grew up dancing in the LA scene I would go to Joe's on Tuesday nights like before Happy Feet Mondays mm -hmm. was around I would go to go to Joe's on Tuesday nights for um Mark Tortorici's swing nights and um and Lindy Groove every week and um and then doing classes and then eventually I was on a team and so that's 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 how it happened man so you you got swing dancing from a bunch of different places it sounds like but pbda was your where you went to your first like social dance yeah that was my first social dance was pbda gotcha and uh the person who you were practicing aerials with or like people at pda do they do you still see them around or has the pandemic kind of like slowed that down for some people so that, that person he his name is jonah um um, and he kind of, uh, he just kind of eventually just kind of stopped going dancing. Mm -hmm. He actually, he went to college with Steve Sayer, I think. Wow. Um, yeah. So like we would go to Lindy Groove and like ran into Steve there and he was like, well, what are you doing here? And Steve was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> you <know? laughs> um, and so through him, I kind of made friends in the scene, but I don't know. I didn't go to PBDA that regularly. I would went to Lindy Groove um, a lot more often, mm -hmm. probably because, well, I'm going to guess, but I think it's because at that time I was in my early twenties and I was like mm. hanging out with my friends on the weekends, you know, right. and I have, I have very close friends who are not dancers. Mm. Um, so, so I think it was easier for me to go dancing during the week. And then you know, like hang out with my dance, my non-dance friends on the weekends. Um, but I was going to Lindy Groove every week mm -hmm. for sure. And Joe's most weeks. Um, after I turned 21, obviously. Uh, yeah, obviously. So yeah. So I don't really remember other than him, I don't really remember 
who I might have made um, connections with at Pasadena Ballroom, mm-hmm. unless they were also going to Lindy Groove. Mm. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, yeah. and all of this was just Lindy Hop, right? You didn't touch any other dance yet. Not really, not in any real way. So I started dancing, at, well, let's say I started dancing in 2006. It was New uh-huh. Year's Eve, so it was it was 2006, basically. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I was taking ballroom classes and swing dance classes at some local community colleges. And so through those, I was exposed to other styles. I was also on a team and that was run by the same woman that I was taking classes with at those at Pierce and Moore Park College. Oh, okay. And so she would have other people. She was also like an old school LA dancer. Mm. Um, and she would have other people come in and kind of give us lessons. So actually I took my first Balboa lesson from Sam Chan. Wow. In probably, <laughs> probably 2007 or eight. Wow. Um, and then, and then I did learn shag collegiate shag uh, around that time too. But I was I I was not super into doing Balboa socially. Mm. Um and at the time I don't think there was a whole lot of shag happening socially at that mm. time. I don't remember it happening. It definitely wasn't happening in a way that I would have been like passively exposed to it you know like nobody I I don't remember ever anyone coming up and being like hey do you know Shag you know (laughs) yeah um but I did learn it at Mm -hmm, the time mm -hmm. so snap okay so for for those listening um if you don't know Sarah she is a prime example of the SoCal triple threat because you do (laughs) Windy Hop, Balboa, and Shag all wonderfully might I add um, wow. thank you that's nice thank you <laughs> of course of course and we'll talk about like uh how that led into atomic and other stuff but in terms of like how you started so you took your first babu lesson from sam and you that's that's crazy to me yeah oh, man i'm gonna interview him here on at some point because he's probably got a wild story um yeah but let's see and then you took like those classes and now, now you're no longer in LA. You're down in San Diego, right? That's correct. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. And um, you brought up a point that I do want to talk about later is like the non-dance friends. Cause I remember when you and I were talking about Catalina, how you do that every year. And I, that's, yeah. that's something I definitely want to touch on, but we'll, we'll get to that. So you did all that dancing and then did you start like traveling and competing around that same time or when did that come about? So I, I started dancing, you know, when I was in my early twenties and um, not at that time, but pretty soon after, like I was going to school, I was going to college. And then um, a few years later, like I moved out. Uh, I was living with my mom and then I moved out of my mom's house. Uh, I was always working. I Mm. always had a, I've, you know, I've never, (laughs) since I was like 16 years old, I've I've been working. And so at that time I was working in retail Mm -hmm. and um, eventually I was working full time and going to school 
basically full-time most most semesters I was going taking a full load of classes and going to school full-time um so in my early like when I first started dancing and I had I didn't have a full-time job um I I didn't do very much traveling I think I didn't really know you know like I, I like I knew but I was like oh, I don't know, you know, like, I don't know anybody, and I'm, like, kind of a shy, I am a shy person, like, it, it takes me a little while to kind of feel comfortable in a space, less yeah. now, because I've, because I know that about myself, and so I can just be like, well, I'm just going to be a little uncomfy for a little while, and that's okay, yeah, Um. but when I was, when I was younger, I was just like, no, I don't want, I'm too scared, you know, <laughs> Um. but I, I did go to Camp Hollywood, I think in 2006 was I went to Camp Hollywood and um I did get mono <laughs> you got the you got the the sickness after the event <laughs> yeah I don't know if it was going around it wasn't as easy then to track you know like there wasn't like yeah. social media in the way there is now where people were posting like I don't know if if there was like an outbreak um and I didn't you know it was just because I was so excited. I was taking class. I took like every single class I went to, I would sit in the ballroom and watch the competitions in the afternoons. And I went to the dances and I stayed all night. And that was also when they had um, the underground jitterbug championships. I think yeah, that yeah, was, yeah, was yeah, it, yeah, yeah. what it was called. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like, and I was staying at a hotel down the street. Wow. So um and just like not eating enough food and touching a lot of people you know I mean by dancing yeah yeah no, 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 that. No, <laughs> um and just not getting enough sleep and you know so my first dance camp experience was intense like the the camp itself was really intense and super like I was so excited and mm. really just blown away but also you know came away from it uh, get uh, like I got pretty sick mm. um and I think I think that that probably had an impact on my like not my willingness to travel but my interest in traveling but also I was really focused on school mm. um and then I was you know and I was always working and I always worked in jobs where it was not easy to take time off on the weekends so I think that like all those factors contributed to why I didn't do that much traveling early in my dance career. Mm. I feel weird calling it a career, but um, I did eventually uh, had, I, I had a regular partnership, um, the dance partnership with Peter Kurtzner. Mm. Competing together and, and we did a little bit more traveling together not very much he did more traveling than I did mm-hmm. um and that was probably around 2010 I think gotcha. uh-huh. when we started when we started uh doing that a little bit more gotcha and so yeah do is there like a specific event during that time apart from like Camp Hollywood that really stuck out to you yeah, we went to this event. It's it's so funny. It's it stands out to me for a number of really important reasons. And I don't want to say they're 
good or bad, but like it was a really impactful experience Mm -hmm. um, in in some great and some hard ways. Mm. But we went to this event that used to happen. It was run by Carla Heine um, called La Hot Sauce. It was up in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And, um, And we went to Lone Star, which, uh, doesn't happen anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, not in the same way, but that was kind of the two big travel events that we went to. Mm -hmm. And it was, I think that was really, especially Lone Star was my first time traveling and traveling pretty far. It was in Austin, Mm -hmm. um, and meeting a lot of new people. And we, uh did compete and I was like freaking out you know (laughs) (laughs) so so those were two really impactful um experiences and you know it's it's a bummer that those events don't happen anymore at the same Mm -hmm. time things grow and change over time and and it's really cool to see kind of where things shift and how they shift and mm-hmm. and stuff. So, and I'm really glad that I got to go to those events because they don't happen anymore. So, yeah, I mean, I I I remember watching. I haven't heard of the what, what you said it was hot sauce. Was that it? La hot sauce. Yeah. La hot sauce. That's a dope ass name. La hot sauce. Yeah. And then I've seen I've watched videos of Lone Star so much when I was dancing. So that's amazing that you got to go. So like. At that point, you said you started competing. Do you get nervous when you compete? Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I get really nervous when I mm. compete. Um, I get less nervous now than uh-huh. I used to. I've had, I've had a really interesting relationship with competing over the mm. years. Competing was actually this thing that, I hated doing it. Mm. I wanted to do it and I hated doing it. And I couldn't figure out why I wanted to do it. Like what was driving me to want to do it Mm. when I, it was so threatening to Mm. me. And, um, over the years, I, I actually, so I said that La Hot Sauce, that event was really impactful. And part of that was that it was after that event where I would, I stopped dancing for like five years, I four or five years. I just, I would go out like twice a year mm. and did not have fun. Mm. And um, so that event, like things that kind of happened at that event that were good and hard really put me in a position where I, I kind of had to confront some things that, that, I hadn't even thought about before. Mm. And my relationship with competing was a really, not, not my relationship with competing actually, it was my relationship with myself and my relationship with my own identity as a dancer. Uh-huh. Um, and that, like all of the hard stuff about that was just so heightened in the realm of competitions. So, um, uh, let's say I, if I think of my kind of dance trajectory mm-hmm. before this period of time where I stopped dancing or basically stopped dancing and then the time since then I came back 
to dancing in like 2016. So it was like 2012 to 2016, I think, where I, I really took a big break. Before that, I was so like, the thought of, I was just, it's hard to put it into words, but I just, I, I was, it was nothing but threatening. Like even mm -hmm. doing well in a competition was extremely threatening to me. Mm -hmm. Um. And I, it took me a long time to make sense of that. Now, you know, I've, I've done a lot of kind of self-reflection and thinking through how to change my relationship with dancing so that it's not so threatening. Yeah. And I actually used competitions as a tool for for doing that because it felt like the the most difficult arena mm. um so now i think i do get nervous but my relationship with my own nervousness yeah is so is so different i i think before it was so like what if I don't do well? What if I do do well? What if I let down my partner? What if I fall on my ass? You know, like any of yeah. those things. And now, now it's so much more like, well, who hasn't fallen on their ass in a competition? You know, right. like I'm nervous. We're all nervous. So now I have something in common with everyone who's ever competed, not just the people who are competing with me right now. Mm -hmm. Um, and my approach is much more, you know, I had to get right with myself. I just really had to get right with myself. Mm -hmm. And I had to think a lot about when I took a break from dancing, I read this um, essay, I guess, uh, an online essay written by Bobby White that was about dance values. Mm. And it resonated with me and had such an impact on me because I wasn't having fun dancing because I felt like the only way for me to like, I was really focused on pleasing the people that I was dancing with. Mm -hmm. And it started to feel contradictory to what I got, you know, pleasure from within mm -hmm. the dance. And I felt like I had to completely sublimate that in order to please the person that I was dancing with. And I read this article, this piece about dance values. And I was just like, Oh, I can think about this in a totally different way mm -hmm. and it's okay. And kind of got to a point where I was like, it's okay if people don't like dancing with me. Mm. <laughs> and that was like mind blowing for me, you know, like that was a huge shift. Yeah. And then, um, so the way I think about that with competing now is that when I go out to do a competition, I just have a much clearer sense of who I am and mm -hmm. what my values are and why I'm doing the competition. So if I'm nervous, it's okay because my only goal is just to dance like myself, you know, and mm -hmm. to, to be able to go out there and say like, Hey, here, I have a voice. I have a voice and I'm going to use it. You know, I actually want to really quickly do a little shout out to Andrew Jose mm, mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. because he was one of the people who um, 
there was a time, I think it was when I had come back to dancing and Andrew was like, I'm so, he, I think he was just saying like, I'm really glad to see you out dancing again. Um, he's like, you know, like in this conversation, he was just like, you, you have a voice and you, you should use it, you know? And I was like, oh, (laughs) wow. Mm. Thank you. And like, yeah, that is, that, that is something that I want to kind of incorporate into my own thinking about not just my own dancing, but other people's dancing too. Yeah. That was a long answer to the question of, do I get nervous? But (laughs) no, 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 that was, this, this is gold to me because the concept of dance values and competitions, I'm sure that there are people listening right now who maybe have never competed before or who are competing right now. And maybe they're having this intersection or this block of saying, oh, I I don't feel good about my dancing because I'm trying to please my partner, please the judges. I need to look a certain way, you know? And I think what you said would probably really resonate with them. Well, I think too, you know, I... I had to get right with myself and and figuring out my own values. But I also think for for some people, like on the spectrum of dance values, if that's a spectrum, you know, like whatever, um, among what everybody might prioritize in their own dancing, mm-hmm. I think that that it is valid. Like some people really do want to go out there and they want to win the competition, you know, like they're they're real competitors. Mm-hmm. And, and that's totally valid, you know, like, Mm -hmm. um, but I think that, I think what was so important for me was being able to just fully stand in my own self and to Mm -hmm. say, like, I can appreciate and respect that my values are not necessarily the same as everyone else's values or their priorities, Mm -hmm. including other competitors and the judges. Mm. you know and and that that is that that's that's okay and so I, I think you're right that I mean I know you're right because I've had conversations with people who will say like well I don't think my dancing is ready for a competition or I don't mm. feel good enough about my dancing in order to I mean they don't say this but I feel like what they're saying is like I don't feel good enough for my sense of self to survive not doing well in a competition, mm-hmm. you know, like, yes. Um, and, and I super, I, it resonates with me. I relate to that so strongly. Cause I, I feel like that's where I was. Um, and it's, it's a hard place to be. I, I think it's a really hard place to be because I don't know, it just like makes everything so sensitive. Everything is so risky, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. Sorry, keep going. No, no. I I think it's it's just conversations, especially lately in the last year, where people like I I don't want to encourage anybody to do anything that they don't want to do. You know, so I'll have conversations with people where they're like, "Oh, I don't want to compete for this reason and that reason," and I want to say, "Well, if you don't want to compete, that's fine." You know, like. Mm-hmm. I think that maybe as a community, we sometimes get a little obsessed with competitions, like, Mm -hmm. yeah, competitions kind of carry a lot of of weight, you know, and it's for good reason. But I think that 
there's so much value um and and there's so much to get out of the dance by by participating it participating in it in a variety of ways including Mm -hmm. not competing Mm -hmm. and it's okay to not compete you know i i think that it's it's (laughs) i don't know i feel like I feel like people face a lot of pressure to compete. Yeah. But to to me I think like if it's not if it doesn't align with your values to do that or your desires it's it's totally okay. I think that um you know I actually listened to your interview with Amy <laughs> and she was talking about how her sister asked her if she was doing things from a place of fear. Mhm. And I think that that's, I think that's the, the, the real question, right? If somebody's mm-hmm. like, well, I don't want to yeah. do a competition because I'm afraid of, you know, not doing well, mm-hmm. then, you know, and that's fine. Like if somebody wants to make a decision that way, that's totally fine. But I also want for people, for dancers to be able to like have a sense of, what their voice is and what their contribution is and and where they are coming from and um and knowing that they have something to contribute to the community oh 150 percent especially because when you're a newer dancer or maybe you just started and especially if you learn in socal it's not normal to have like the caliber of dancers that we have in socal all over the country and so they see all these good people that are competing and so they're like oh i'm not good enough but i think that what you said is so so true that hits the nail on the head is like you have a voice and competing you you don't have to compete to be part of the community competing the way that amy and i see it is we get to dance as opposed to be sitting down like that's it's so rudimentary and silly but for us that that's that's something that is one of, well, I wouldn't say it's one of our core values, but it very much aligns with the concept of like having your voice and your voice is valid. Your perception of competition is valid. And the way that you explained it was just chef's kiss right there. <laughs> Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, sorry if I'm sorry if I'm going, sorry if I'm going off too much. No, no, no. <laughs> this is good. This is what a podcast is for. So picking back up at what you're mentioning about competitions and having your voice, um, I feel like that will maybe tie into like the message for the question at the end, potentially. Okay, sure. I'm curious, you mentioned Andrew Jose. Um, Mm -hmm. You both did extremely well this past year at uh, Camp Hollywood, if I remember correctly. Well, first of all, Andrew always does well. (laughs) That's also true. (laughs) That's also um, uh, but yeah, I, I think we were we were both um, pleased and, and surprised, uh, but but really, you know, pleased. And we would have been pleased regardless because, you know, how we feel about a competition. I think that this is the same for Andrew and for me, that how we feel about a competition is not dependent on the outcome of the competition. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, so, um, but yes, we did get some additional validation. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a beautiful way to put it, some additional validation. So funny story, 
Amy and I kind of uh, took a page out of that book that you had mentioned, where you and Andrew said how we feel about the competition is um, separate from the outcome, right? Mm -hmm. So she, her older sister actually told her about this concept of it would be nice. And so we approach it, approach every competition with, oh, it would be nice if we made finals, but if we don't, we'll be happy with what we put out there. And it it's so nice to hear other competitors and competitors that are such high caliber, such as you and Andrew, like approach it that same way. Cause you know, some sometimes competitions can be very like they it, sometimes it can ruin your night if you put too much weight on it. Yeah. It sounds like you've had yeah. had that experience. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um <laughs> Uh, you say ruin your night, but it ruined more than my night most of the time. Um, it actually like cost me relationships, like mm -hmm. like friendships. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I'm dance partnerships uh, mm -hmm. stuff that I felt like. I mean, it's more it's more complicated than that, but um, it was so. You know, I don't want to. I don't want to get too deep into my own psychology about it but like I actually uh something that was really helpful to me and I don't know if this is helpful to mention but my therapist I talked to my therapist about not just dance but like I just talked to my therapist about stuff because I'm, I'm also um I'm in grad school I've been in grad school for a long time mm -hmm. and grad school is also an environment where things can be very threatening you know mm -hmm. um in terms of like having to make an impression and feeling like you have to be a, per a particular kind of person or a particular kind of scholar you know feeling like you're not smart enough all the time mm -hmm. all that just you know mess it's just a mess yeah and <clears throat> I was talking to my therapist about it and I was like you know I don't understand why I can sit in a graduate seminar and be totally comfortable with the the possibility if not the likelihood that i'm the like i'm the stupidest person in the room and i'm okay with that you know mm -hmm. because somebody's got to be the person saying like wait i don't understand this can we talk about this you know um i don't know if maybe that's kind of a not cool way of saying that but <laughs> you know i was just like in this environment i am okay with not being good enough you know mm -hmm. yeah um so why am I not like why what's the difference like why is dancing so different mm -hmm. and my therapist recommended this book called mindset to me um which I listened to and it was really helpful for me she was like it just sounds like you are like you're in a growth mindset when it comes to your academic work and you're in a fixed mindset when it comes to your dancing. Um, and so maybe that is the the focus um, or like maybe that's the framework that that you can use for kind of thinking through these things. And that was really, really helpful for me. Um, and so when I am when I'm competing now, you know, I've done all this pre-work of like, okay, I, I have a clear sense of who I am, of what my goals are. 
I think I have a pretty clear sense of my uh, strength and my limitations or the things that I'm working on. Mm -hmm. I'm also entirely, well, I shouldn't say entirely because sometimes like this is always a work in progress. Yeah. But I am, I am accepting of the idea that I have limitations that I'm not aware of. Mm. Um, you know, and so I can kind of go into a competition and for me, I think that, I actually think I don't even, I I don't know that I have the conscious thought, like it would be nice Mm. to make finals, Mm. um, except in conversation. Like if I'm in a strictly with someone and we really feel like we have something we want to showcase. Like this was, this was actually really important um, to me at Camp Hollywood for the shag strictly mm-hmm. because I care so much about shag, but also because I, uh, you know, I, Jeremy Cook and I competed together and we feel like we have a voice that is not as showcased. Mm-hmm. in the shag competition um mm-hmm. at, at camp hollywood and so we were like you know it would be nice to make finals so that this style of shag that we are doing can have a little bit of space you mm-hmm. know in the mm-hmm. finals um so yeah and it it is really it's been so i mean you talk about being in southern california mm-hmm. And I just, I feel like I can understand, I mean, I can recognize how lucky we are Mm -hmm. to be here, to be surrounded by the caliber of dancer and not just a handful, but like there are so many incredible dancers in Southern California and there are incredible dancers all over the place, you know, but like Mm -hmm. we have such a wealth of incredible dancers. Yeah. And in addition to that, it's not just that they are incredible at what they do, like in terms of their skill. Yeah. But for me, what's been so, um, it's been so expansive, I think, in my, in my dancing, in my relationship with my dancing, in my relationship with, with the community, yeah. is to work with and talk with people who do have that mindset of like, well, you know, how we feel about the competition is not necessarily based on whether or not we get a medal or something, but also who know themselves, who know what they're working towards, who know what their goals are, even if their goal is to get a medal, like Mm -hmm. they know that, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really, really incredible. And I think that part of what really changed that for me was having the opportunity to work with Grace and Blake. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like I'm, um, I feel like am I name dropping too much? I feel like I'm no, no, no. Out. Name drop all you want. They're gonna be on this podcast too. <laughs> um, but like the way that they, um, and the way that they think about dancing, the way they think about competitions, the way they think about the community as it exists currently, the way they think about the history of the dance, you know, like all of those things were really inspiring to me and actually speaking of competitions 
um, because I traveled with them to Hot Rhythm last year when we did mm -hmm. our Hoist the Colors performance. Mm -hmm. And I was going with this group of incredible dancers who were all very successful mm -hmm. in competitions. And I was like, well, I've already made this decision that I'm going to push myself to change my relationship with my dancing and I'm going to use competitions to do that. Mm. But how am I going to feel if I'm traveling with this group of dancers and they all make finals and I don't, you know, mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. I like was really having to confront that. And um, if I can name drop again, Ashley Peretta, yeah. was, I was talking with her. She's also an incredible dancer, but just like so thoughtful. Mm. Um, and also a person who's like really, really solid in herself. I just feel so lucky to have so much positive influence yeah. around me. Um, yeah. And I was talking with her about, because we have talked about dance values and we had talked about like dance values specifically relating to competitions. And I was mm -hmm. like, you know, Ashley, I need some advice. Like I'm, I'm kind of facing this decision I'm not sure what to do I'm feeling very my anxiety is like putting me into this future where the outcome is rough yeah and I'm not sure how I'm going to feel about it and and she really talked me through it um and gave me some really really solid advice for you know when I say like I have to get right with myself like Ashley really helped me get right with myself in that moment mm -hmm. um so yeah, it's it's just we're so lucky. We're so lucky to be surrounded by not just the caliber of dancer, but like people who are so thoughtful and so um, you know, diligent mm. uh, when it comes to their dancing. So Yeah, and we we are very lucky to have that group. Now, I was typing for a quick second, but you mentioned a book called Mindset. Is it Mindset, The New Psychology of Success by Carol Dweck? I think that sounds right. Yeah, okay. I, I would I should have uh, I should have thought of this ahead of time and looked it up. But I think no. that is right. OK, yeah, no worries. No worries. I uh, I made I made a quick note of that. I'll make sure to include that in the description in case anyone uh, wants to think more about it now. We did talk about like the psychology of competitions and the psychology of dance values and how we are surrounded by really, really good, good people, not just like good dancers, but good people who are aware of what their goals are. I, I think yeah. I talked about competitions with my podcast with Nick uh, Cruikshank, but the idea, I think the idea that we're, we're all in agreement here is wanting to get first place or wanting to win a competition is valid it's not demonized or bad i think that for some people such as myself amy and it sounds like you as well sarah is we put more emphasis on how we feel about the dance outside of what the outcome is so that the outcome of that competition does not impact us on a negative emotional or psychological level would you say that's accurate yeah yeah and i think you know to me it's it's like there's there's space for that having that relationship to competitions there is space for that um and for me it's just like it's not how i approach competitions um mm -hmm. but i certainly you know i would hesitate to say that one is 
better or worse, I think if your goal is to win first place and you have a strategy for winning first place, then you're achieving your goal, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to say, though, that I, I don't really have anything concrete to say about it, but I just want to add that something I think a lot about, you know, obviously, obviously I think a lot about my own relationship with my dancing mm-hmm. and my relationship with other dancers, with competing, you know, all of that stuff. But I also think a lot about the bigger picture, you know, mm-hmm. and how, so I don't have any answers, but I do think about questions like, well, how does approaching a competition in one way or the other impact the broader trajectory of the dance or of the dance community? Mm-hmm. How does this relate to the history of the dance? Like, are we doing these things out of, with a sense of, of, of respect, you know, and, and a sense of, um, you know, that even though dancing is very personal, it doesn't like belong to any one person, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, and so, so like thinking about the, the, the outcomes, the kind of broader impacts of those things, I think is really important to me too. And I do think that approaching a competition, um, like if everybody was approaching the competition with the explicit goal of like winning first first place, that's going to change how people approach the their dancing in the competition, like how they plan for the competition, what they do in the competition, mm-hmm. and what people do in competitions does have an impact on the community because people watch competition videos and they get inspired by competition videos, and it's really really cool. But I do think that we all in addition to like having that kind of personal journey, I think we have a responsibility also. Um, like we're putting ourselves out there, but we're also, I think we we have to do that with some awareness of yeah. what we're doing. Yeah, 150%. Like I've thought about it from like a personal standpoint of, I like the way I approach competitions right now. It's healthy for me. It's healthy for Amy and I. Yeah. I also thought yeah. about, okay, we could turn it on. We could be like, all right, we want first place. But then like, I thought about it and I was like, I don't, even just saying that just doesn't, it doesn't, it, it's like I'm conflicting myself. I'm fighting against myself. And so it's a lot more natural. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think too, you know, any of us who, when you compete enough, you know that like judges also have, different values you know and they they look for different things this is not like a a codified you know dance like um there is a lot of subjective uh stuff that goes into that impacts the outcome of competitions which is very Mm -hmm. liberating really you know like I think that when people when I talk to people and they're like, my dancing's not good enough for a competition. I always want to be like, I don't, I just don't, I don't think that's like a, a real direct relationship between, you know, like how do you even measure anyway? All I'm trying to say is that if you have the goal, like if your goal is to get first place, and you're going to be really like strategic about that it's going to mean that you 
we'll kind of need to have a sense of like what the judges will be looking for Mm -hmm. and and dance accordingly you know and and I think that for for some of us for some people that's like so they can they some like I am in awe of of people who go out and they compete consistently and they win consistently and you know they know who they are and they know what their goals are and they they are really really successful and it's it's really incredible to watch um and I think for me and it sounds like maybe for you it's just more comfortable to approach a competition just being like I'm just not going to worry about what the judges are you know like if we don't have an alignment of of values or if like if they don't like my dancing if that's just flat out it they do not like my dancing Mm -hmm. that's okay I'm gonna survive you know like and I'm still gonna love dancing Mm -hmm. and I'm still gonna try my best you know and and that is totally okay I mean I guess anyone who competes regularly kind of has to you you just kind of have to be okay with that sometimes things are not going to go your way (laughs) yeah Um, and some of us are some of us are very practiced at things just you know being whatever they are so yeah that makes sense yeah I very much I very much resonate with what you said about um judges not being there because the way that I approached it was I focus on my partner first make sure that one of my dance values actually Jet and I have one of these dance values in common we want to be comfortable so if I'm dancing with my partner, even if it is like a competition, I still want my partner to be comfortable and not feel like I'm manhandling them or something like that, or like forcing them to go somewhere. And then I think about the music. So you mean, sorry, when you say you want to be comfortable, you mean you want dancing with you to feel like a comfortable experience for the person that you're dancing with? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. 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 And I definitely want it to be fun. The worst thing that could happen to me in a competition is if I left the competition and my partner and I were just like that was terrible we absolutely sucked and that that would be like my worst nightmare because oh no I know because like even if I fall on my ass I believe and I believe that if something were to happen where if Amy were to fall or if I were to fall I would fall with Amy like if she fell down I would fall down right next to her or if I fell down, she would do something cute to distract people and I get back up, you know? And like, yeah. I know that no matter what, we'll, I have very strong faith that I'll come out of it with like, oh, that was, yeah, we made it work and we still had fun at the end of the day. Um, yeah, I think that I think that, that and having that kind of spirit in, mm. in a competition is really, really important. I think it's really important. And I do think that is, you know, like, this is a collaborative experience, you know, yes. dancing, yeah. social dancing, you know, yeah. so, um, and you really see that collaboration and cooperation and not just cooperation in terms of like, can we execute these moves that we've practiced, but really like when you can see the connection, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just so beautiful and like even Mm. when things go a little sideways it's like dang that's it's like that connection itself is so inspiring to me yeah so yeah I think that's I think that's important 
to have that represented. I agree. On so the competition I, floor. Yeah. So if anyone here, I think uh, Daphne, she is, um, she's just coming back to dancing now, but she had come to come up to us and ask us about like our partnership and um, how we view competition and stuff, because I think she's interested in it. So Daphne, this mm-hmm. is a shout out to you. Hopefully you enjoy this episode <laughs> of all psychology of competing. That's essentially what this, this episode <laughs> turned into is like, what is the psychology <laughs> behind competition? Um, it's so funny because I I'm sorry I'm like I feel like I'm talking so much about competitions and I also am like I guess I'm just you know like competing is just this this thing you know that's like it's very prevalent in my life right now but in over the whole course of my dancing like my relationship with competing has just been so off and on mm -hmm. and right now it's on you know Mm -hmm. so I guess it's I don't mean to I I said at the earlier in the beginning like well you know competing isn't everything mm-hmm. and now I'm like only talking about competing <laughs> <laughs> well no like it's it's an important topic because I think we bring up a lot of mental health and mental health and emotional health things that are connected to competing right and that's that's very close to my heart because I always I really care about the spirit that comes in a dance I feel like you you also care about that as well as the self-awareness that's a big word that I connected there is the self-awareness because funny story we didn't talk about this but when you and I first met and when we started dancing we started chatting I remember at one point I was like oh wow you're an amazing dancer do you compete and you're like oh no I don't I don't do that anymore and then like this this past year you went on to do so well and I would say that I could see what you're saying now I could see like how you change your perspective of competition or your relationship to competitions and your dancing and I just gotta say like that is so inspiring to like see someone like <laughs> you know face that difficulty or face that uh, the way Amy Amy's sister said it face that quote-unquote fear I guess you could say right because it's hard yeah well thank you yeah and thank you that's, that's really uh very sweet very nice of you to say um and I will say like my conversation with my therapist when I was like okay I'm gonna work on changing my relationship with dancing changing my relationship with myself and I'm gonna use competitions as a means of doing that that happened in 2020 my goal for 2020 was to do as many competitions as I could Mm -hmm. and just put myself out there you know Mm -hmm. and like work on my relationship with myself by doing competitions and I did that at Hot Rhythm mm. uh, in February of 2020 and then obviously there were no more opportunities to do that yes the panini happened <laughs> um yeah yeah except by you know like recording do submitting to like virtual competitions which I um I, I didn't really want to do that I felt like that wasn't it wasn't the same kind of environment that I wanted to be in in order to push myself in this way yeah uh but also I live I live alone so Mm. I didn't have that many opportunities to to work with people when when those virtual events were happening um but yeah I um it's so funny I I don't remember having that conversation where I said like no I don't really compete much anymore although I didn't I guess you and I met in 
was it 2021 when we met? Yeah, I remember the first time I met you very vividly. Yeah. You do? Oh, I didn't tell you? Okay, I have to tell you now. Because okay. it was at a Friday night and um and it was later on in the night and I had seen you dance before and I was like oh my gosh she's so good I, I'm so nervous to ask her how to, to ask her to dance I was like so scared <laughs> oh no and then um I finally was like all right I'm new here I'm just gonna just gonna do it and so I asked you to dance and you were so nice You're like oh yeah for sure and then we started dancing and immediately I could feel your connection was just like it was it was so nice and then our dance was so cool and you did this thing because we talked about it in the past where like uh you looked in my eyes right as well as you <laughs> dancing and not many people do that it's like you and Izzy and then like maybe a couple of people you looked into my eyes and I think you said you do that so that you're not just like staring everywhere but like you make that initial connection with your partner right but I remember that yeah, really vividly yeah. It was like the first time I met you and it was such a fun dance. I, I always look back to it like, Sarah, she's great. She's great. I feel like we always have fun dances together. Um, and I think it's, I think it's, you know, like, uh, you know, like I said, I had to come to terms with the fact at one point that like, not everybody's going to like dancing with me and that is fine. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I think that the people that I, really get a lot of enjoyment like it just lights me up to dance yeah. with people who do have that kind of connection where like I feel like I can always tell where you are in space mm -hmm. you know um and I feel like it enables me to communicate with you where I am in space so that mm -hmm. when we have ideas like there's this really uh, mutual kind of uh I don't want to say talking but like talking you know like yeah conversation <laughs> talking and listening yeah it really feels very conversational um in a way like that is just my favorite thing and also like my ultimate my ultimate value in dancing is playfulness oh yes and I feel like like <laughs> you and I um yeah, I just feel like there's a lot of opportunity for playfulness when we dance. So it's very enjoyable to me. Yeah, I very much agree. Oh, man, I'm just looking at the time and we were talking about that. OK, I did also want to talk about um, one important piece, though, going back to like okay. Catalina Island and and like <laughs> friends and stuff, because you are so as far as swing dancing goes. Swing dancing is amazing. I love it. I think it's great. And it is something that I'll do for the rest of my life. It's also not mm -hmm. the only thing in my life. And I have other friends yeah. and other hobbies outside of that. And so I was curious, like, you have this group of friends that are very important to you that you've been close with for years. How do you balance yeah. like that dance life and dance friends and then like these other friends that you have? Because I'm sure other people might be thinking the same. Yeah, so, um, you know, I will, uh, this is, okay, so uh, this group of friends that I've had, we've been friends, we went to school together since kindergarten, mm -hmm. so I have been very good friends with them for, like, 32, 33 years, mm -hmm. um, 
<clears throat> and our friendship, you know, has kind of like gone through a lot of phases, but we were always close friends. And um, there's six of us total. Mm -hmm. And we, when we were teenagers, we started going to Catalina together every summer with our mom. So we do a mother-daughter trip to Catalina mm -hmm. every year. Mm -hmm. So I've known these people my whole life. They mm -hmm. are absolutely my family. And it's really incredible because um, most, of, most of them don't live in LA anymore. My, my friend Sarah lives in Long Beach. My friend Nicole lives in Playa del Rey. And I live in San Diego. Mm -hmm. um, but my friend Lizzie, she moved to Seattle many years ago. My friend Sasha was in New York and now she's in Paris. Um, my friend Casey lives out in Bishop, uh, out near Mammoth. So we're really spread out and um, we also have really different interests. Like Casey is really, she got, she went to school for photography. She's um, a yoga instructor. She has acro yoga. She's a rock climber. Mm -hmm. um, you know, she's just like this total outdoorsy person. Yeah. Um, you know, Sarah is a career counselor, Nicole um is an educator and a poet you know like we just have all these yeah. like, really 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 different interests and there's a lot of overlap we're all educators in some mm -hmm. way you know like we're all we all care about helping people yeah. in one way or another working with people in one way or another um and we just have this really beautiful friendship where we can like fully invest in the other person even though our interests might become more kind of disparate over time yeah, yeah. um and we can go long stretches without like talking to each other mm -hmm. and it doesn't feel any different but we're also kind of in almost constant or let's say consistent contact mm. you know with social media during the pandemic we were doing zoom uh hangouts every Friday night we would hang out on zoom mm. together um and that was really lovely and um yeah so I think I mean your question is like how do you balance it and I I guess I feel like in a lot of ways with them I don't have to balance it we just are like they will never not be in my life until mm -hmm. until the end of our lives you know like mm -hmm. they will never not be in my life um and I just know that and so, and that doesn't make me take them for granted, but it means that they don't feel possessive of my time. I don't feel possessive of their time. You know, we yeah. can just kind of love and support each other. Um, and actually, you know, <laughs> I feel like I, I didn't really develop very many close friendships with other dancers. Mm -hmm. until pretty recently maybe until I came back to dancing in like 2016 before mm -hmm. that I had a few close relationships with a few yeah. dancers but I had such a I have so many like really deep close friendships in my life that um I don't know it didn't I, it's not that I wasn't interested in getting to know people I think it was just that I would dance with people and 
I am quite introverted, you know, and so mm-hmm. socializing a lot, especially in a space where it's loud um, and I can't hear very well and, you know, whatever. Um, I don't know. I just, I just felt like I, I, I feel like if anything, my relationship with other dancers, uh, I don't want to say suffered, but like, I didn't really take advantage of the community or like, I, I didn't mm. really integrate into the community for a long time, I think, mm-hmm. in terms of my social connection. Yeah. Um, because of, because I just have like a very full, like a life full of love, you know, and I was yeah. like very lucky in that way. Um, and yeah, I don't know. And they're all, they're all, they're just the best. I just love them so much. They're the best. They're my whole heart. Oh, I, I do have to say no. that like dancing is an interesting thing. Cause I was talking to a friend and they said they like dancing because they're very introverted and they get to do their peopling slash socializing and dancing. But then after that, they know that they're not obligated to keep in touch with that dancer until they see them again at the next social thing. And I think that it, it that is, that's a, a nice thing about swing dancing is like you get all the good, happy feelings. Because typically when you go to a dance, everyone's all like happy and it's like a little, a little paradise for one or two nights out of the week, right? I do see yeah. that like, some of my friendships have gotten, some of my, the people who I consider like really close friends who are not dancers, um, I still have really good friendships with them, but I found that some of my dance friends went into that group of non-dancers because I know that I can call said person and say, hey, do you want to get some food? Hey, do you want to go watch a movie? Do you want to go for a walk or a hike or something? Doing anything that's not dance related. Like that's how I know that, oh, this friendship supersedes dancing like it's it's more than that and I think that's a beautiful beautiful thing speaking of um friendships we talked about friendships events competitions and stuff but um as we're starting to wind down I think we'll go into the three questions that I ask everyone so obviously things are starting to open back up now events are starting to come back I'm curious what events are you planning to go to for the rest of the year well, I'm having extreme FOMO because I'm missing most yes. events. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm definitely going to go to Camp Hollywood. And I think, I mean, after Camp Hollywood, I don't, I don't know. But at least between now and Camp Hollywood, I think that's going to have to be it. I did a lot of traveling last year and I did Cowbell and I did Hot Rhythm. And, um, you know, for... <laughs> I kind of just need to focus on uh, other things for a little while. Yeah. I have some pressing deadlines coming up. Um, but also, you know, it's expensive to it is to travel on. Yeah. So that could be Camp Hollywood for sure. Yeah. That whole topic of like the ex- the financial investment of events. Oh, don't don't get me started don't get me started because I have a lot to say about that yeah that 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 could be that could be a lot I'll 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 do this this is my first poll um if you would like Sarah and I to sit down again and talk about the finance financial investments of um this (laughs) whole hobby that we do um please put that in the comments uh send us a dm on instagram 
because that would be a very interesting topic because I have I also have some some feelings and emotions about that um yeah I didn't I you know I didn't mention I mentioned being in grad school but mm -hmm. I didn't mention like, like I'm I study sociology I'm a sociologist mm -hmm. so I have a lot of feelings I have a lot of thoughts and feelings about mm -hmm. um the, the reproduction of inequality mm -hmm. um and how that kind of occurs in the swing dance world so yeah I, I'm gonna say that so that people can know that answering the poll if they want to answer the <laughs> poll just know I'm probably gonna get real obnoxious <laughs> mm, mm, mm. and so fun story I studied family science when I was mm -hmm. in undergrad so I think we're on the same wavelength when it comes to that oh yeah and that's actually going to play a part into that whole thing so there may or may not be an event announcement in 2024 maybe oh okay I was like what whole thing are you talking about but <laughs> maybe I will hold off on answering that on asking that question oh, until you're things ready are, things are happening in the background things are happening in the background okay, okay. um now if if people were trying to find more information about you and like uh because you we didn't touch on this too much but you are now on staff at the illustrious atomic ballroom <laughs> that is true. I'm extremely honored um, to get to teach Shag with Jeremy Oth and Nick Williams. I'm mm. just beyond thrilled. I can't even I can't even capture it in words. <laughs> but what an exciting opportunity it has been. Yeah. Yeah, that's I mean, that's absolutely massive and huge. And major congrats to you. So people can find you on the list of instructors there. They can. I am. I haven't given them like any bio or headshot. Or <laughs> well, you're on staff though, though and at some point, maybe. Okay. I'm on staff, I I teach the the level two class with Jeremy and Nick. They alternate each month to month. Um. So yes, I can be found there. Um. And aside from that, I don't have, <laughs> I don't want to say I don't have a social media presence. I do have a social media presence, but I don't have like a dance account. Yeah. Um, so I am on Instagram. Mm, you can find me just under my name. My handle is srar. <laughs> <laughs> I always like that handle so much. Every time I see it, I'm like, oh, there's Sarar. <laughs> yeah, it's um, <laughs> one of my friends when Instagram like first yeah. was a thing, she, um, her name was Laura and she, we would call each other LRAR and SRAR. And uh. <laughs> I made that my, I made that my handle in, I don't know, 2000, whatever year Instagram started and I haven't changed it and I probably never will. Um, but I am on Instagram. I don't post much, but I do get tagged a lot, especially, I mean, Andrew does so much work for posting a lot of dance content. So it's really funny because if you look at my Instagram page, it looks like I am like there's a lot of Balboa on my mm. Instagram page because mm. there's a lot of uh, Andrew creating content and then including me as like a co collaborator uh, or whatever yeah. it's called on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I get tagged more often than anything. And I guess, you know, if people, want to find me there they 
can um and you know i don't i don't post a lot of like dance <laughs> stuff <laughs> gotcha okay. but i am on there i am on there and on facebook you know and on twitter but uh, i really don't use twitter very much except to look at funny things that other people say yes i i am not on twitter either okay so wrapping up with the final question it's one i had asked you at the beginning so what's a message you want to leave for all swing dancers that are listening? Um, I think that, gosh, it feels like, I feel like it's not my place to give a message to all swing dancers. <laughs> like, um, but I think, I, I don't know. I think that I would just love to see the community continue to, like we've, We've done so much work, I think, as a community to really confront some of the problematic aspects of of the community, mm -hmm. um, especially in terms of like the history of the dance and the lack of inclusivity and lack of, you know, spaces being unwelcoming to um, especially to black dancers, but to dancers of color. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that we can continue kind of pushing those conversations and I think, yeah, I guess I kind of mentioned it already, but I just think that I would like to see people, um, I don't know, like having that sense of, of like self and having that sense of self-awareness and mm -hmm. kind of knowing who they are and and what they what they contribute to the community mm -hmm. and doing so with like a really serious amount of respect for um where the dance comes from and um and, and kind of how those things you know we talked a little bit about like reproducing inequality inequality of all kinds is is reproduced all the time and but just taking those things really seriously you know like the dance yeah. is fun we do yes. this for fun yeah um and I'm, I'm not trying to say like we shouldn't have any fun but i think that we should take very seriously um a sense of that we have a, we should have a sense of responsibility that we're not mm -hmm. just like oh i just like you know swing dancing because it's this fun activity to do but it's it I, I, it just deserves a lot of respect mm -hmm. um historically and currently um mm -hmm. and i and i i don't know if that makes sense but i think that's what i <laughs> what i'd like to impress upon i think that that's maybe a message more for maybe newer dancers coming into the community is to you know not that i think you need to know the history of the dance before you can start doing the dance but just mm -hmm. to to know your position in mm -hmm. the community, know mm -hmm. who you are coming into the community and kind of know, be mindful, aware, you know, of, of your position mm -hmm. in the community. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. I, I think it's, you know, I say it's for newer dancers. I think it's really, especially, it's especially for white dancers. I, I'm, I like, if I can just say <laughs> that, I think that that is, you know, we've had so many conversations about dancers who are not black doing Lindy Hop, but I think that the conversations are especially pertinent for dancers who are white. Yeah. So. Yeah. 
So it's, it's, I'm glad you brought that up because um, the episode that it, right now it's March 25th. So on Wednesday, the, let me just get my dates right. On Wednesday, the 29th, Demetrio's podcast is coming out and Demetrio and Taylor oh, talk cool. about this um, a good amount. So when you all hear this, it'll be past that date. So just go back if you haven't already and listen to what Demetrio and Taylor said, because we talked about some really good stuff about community and being guests in the space and whatnot. So thanks so much for bringing that up, Sarah. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, you know, that is really important to me. And I think especially for people get super stoked on it, you know, and that's really wonderful. But I think that it's it's very easy to get kind of carried away in your own self mm -hmm. when it comes to, you know, anything that you're excited about. And I, I really think, like we, we are all, we are all guests, right? And mm -hmm. we are all like, we're participants, but we're guests. And, mm -hmm. and I think that we just need to be really mindful of that. Yeah. 100%. So. I can't think of another way, yeah. another better way to end on, <laughs> except on that really powerful note right there. But uh, thank you so much for being on here, Sarah. Don't go anywhere after I end the recording. Everyone else, right. um, if you've gotten to this point, thank you so much. Super appreciate you all uh, listening. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram as well as subscribe to us on YouTube. Uh, quick comment about that poll. Put it in the comments. Uh, if you would like Sarah and I to sit down again and talk the financial investment of swing dancing, I feel like that could be pertinent to a lot of people. I also have some ideas for my event that I'm putting on. And so I think that would be like a live conversation there. So yeah, thank you all so much, Sarah. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. This is really fun. Great. I am glad. All right, everyone. Have a good night. Have a good day. Bye. Thank you so much for lending us your ears on the SoCal Summer Podcast. You can follow us on Instagram, Spotify, and subscribe to us on YouTube. We're looking forward to putting out some great episodes for you, and we'll see you on the next one. Bye.